0: We'll get right back into our text from this morning. Now I don't often do two-part messages, but I got rolling a little bit this morning, and I had a lot of had a lot of points. And my predecessor taught me how to extend all of your points far too long, so that you can make the series as long as you really want to, you know. And I got uh I got talking about some things and actually I found out after the service some of the things that weren't in my notes, praise the Lord, were a help to some people. So uh that's always encouraging. When you don't know why you're saying some things, uh it's great that the Lord gives you some some reassurance you were doing some good things, even though they weren't in your plan, they were perfectly fine in his. So uh first Corinthians chapter one. I'll recap the morning message after we read our text again. In verse number 18, we'll once again go all the way to the end of the chapter here in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. We preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And this morning we uh, opened up and we're talking about uh, God calling and God's still calling. He's still calling men. He's still calling those in the world. He's still reaching out to the lost and the saved alike. He's calling. And as he calls out, he's looking for a response, and sad reality is that broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And most of the time, many go in at that broad way, that broad gate, that opening, and they end up in a lake of fire for all of eternity. And we started off, and we went over, of course, to 1 Peter chapter 2, and how that God has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And we're talking about the, the darkness that is in the world, the darkness of our sin. The Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Uh, we don't live right. We weren't good. We weren't wonderful. We weren't fantastic people. We weren't even good people. And God had to take us and the state we were in and the condition that we were in and we weren't mighty and we weren't noble and we weren't great in any respect from the world's standpoint or anybody else's standpoint but certainly not God's standpoint in the idea of goodness and righteousness and God says you know what I want to do I want to pull you out of that darkness and I want to call you out of that place and I want to put you into the light so you can see that you are a sinner that you do need a Savior." And that Jesus Christ is the Savior and that He'll save to the uttermost if you trust Him. And He saved us and He called us with a glorious calling. And after He saved us and He redeemed us and He washed us of all of our sins, He declares our righteousness. He calls us out, He says, uh, in Romans chapter 1 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, twice He calls us saints. Righteous, declared righteous in the eyes of a holy God. The truth is that you and I, outside of our cell, just you and me, without Jesus Christ, we are not even close to righteous. We're not good. We haven't done everything right. In fact, God says that our righteousness is filthy rags without Him. Uh, even our righteousness isn't that great. And God says, you know what I do? I'll make it so that when I save you and I put you in the light and I go ahead and I wash you, I've washed you forever. Amen. Your ultimate You're ultimately declared righteous because of the righteousness of God in Him. And God, when He saved you and He redeemed you and He bought you, He went ahead and made you righteous that day. He gave you God's righteousness, which is pure and perfect and sinless. And there's only one means to get it. It was the means of Jesus Christ to pull you out of darkness and put you in light. And He made you righteous. And on top of that, he wanted to make you one of his relatives. He made you his son. And we finished up on that this morning talking about, Be now, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. How amazing it is that uh, he calls us in Romans chapter 9 that we're children of the living God. He brought us in and I talked about fathers, Father's Day is next week. I'm not preaching next week, so I slipped some stuff in this morning on fathers right and some fathers we don't have some people they didn't have a good father not on this earth they didn't have a good you know physical father they didn't have their dad was was no good some people don't even know who their dad is some people they were mistreated and their, and their dad abused and, and their dad did things they shouldn't have done and uh, mistreated them and all those things but none of that is the excuse to not come to a wonderful heavenly father who wants you The difference is He really wants you, and He wants the best for you, and He wants to take care of you, and He wants to have time with you, and we're going to get into some of that tonight, but He wants that relationship. God wanted that relationship, so what He did was He made it possible to make you a son. He adopted. The Bible says that we received the adoption of sons. He talks about us coming in and nothing being able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And how wonderful it is to have a loving father who wants the best for us. And just because your earthly father wasn't that great, and just because some things didn't go well between you and him, doesn't mean that your heavenly father is the same. You ought not to treat your heavenly father poorly just because your earthly father wasn't very good. Say, well, he could have stopped it. I gave man a free will. The choices they made are the choices that they made, and he didn't stop them, just like he doesn't stop you. And you get to make some free choices. You get to choose if you want to be a son. You get to choose if you want to live like that or if you just want to do your own thing, and we'll get into that here in just a moment. But ultimately, God is continuing to call, and that call is still going out. Sadly, a lot of Christians, I mentioned the loss. they go in this broad way and they go down that road and they step off into eternity into a lake of fire and God has done everything he needs to to make sure they don't have to go there. They make a choice to go there. And although God is calling to his children and he calls them righteous, they are saints for all of eternity. He calls to them and he says, hey, I I want you to be my son and he makes us his son. He adopts us, he brings us in. We're going to get over to 1 Corinthians chapter. We're going to stay right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to get early in the chapter, and that'll be the next point. But let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. God wants to build on that relationship here. And tonight I'm going to hopefully do some justice to the rest of this uh, thought process. And so, Father, I do thank you for tonight. I thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that can wash any man of their sins. I pray, Father, if someone here is... Lost, they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're not sure where they'll spend eternity. I pray that they would call upon Jesus Christ tonight. You'd open their eyes to the light of the glorious gospel and it would shine into their hearts and they'd be able to see their need of a Savior and they'd see that Jesus Christ is indeed that Savior and they'd call upon Him. Father, for those of us who are saved, I pray You'd help us to see that we're called. Father, we're called to do some things. We're called some great names, and we ought to try and live up to those. And Lord, I do pray that you would help us to heed the call tonight and every day going on until you sound a trumpet and take us home. I pray you'd help us to be faithful to the calling that you've given us. Lord, once again, we do pray you'd bless our night. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Here we are early in the chapter here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and he says in verse number 9, he says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, God wants a good rapport with you. He wants to be in fellowship. He doesn't want broken fellowship with His children. Right? He brought you out of darkness. He put you in the light. He made you righteous. Then He made you His Son. He got a relationship with you. And now you know what He wants? He wants a good rapport in that relationship. You know, sometimes people have really bad time with their families, with their, with their, uh, of course, with their kids, their parents to kids, and all those things. And sometimes those relationships aren't very good. They're not in the position, excuse me, they're not in the position to be able to have a normal conversation with their child. That's not the way God wants it to be. God wants to be a good father. He wants to make it so that, of course, in our prayer life is is uh, that he would that men would pray always men ought always to pray and not to faint Uh, he likes it that you can come boldly onto a throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need god wants it so that you can immediately show up to his throne and he can stop everybody else and go ahead hey what do you you need son hang on my kid needs something isn't that amazing That the God of the universe, you know what he wants? He wants the relationship with you that no matter what else is going on, he is never too busy for you. He's never too busy for you. He wants a good relationship. He wants to fellowship. Enoch in the Old Testament is a great type. He's the best type of the church at the end when the trumpet's going to sound and he gets to, we get to go home. And I'm hoping that's, that's real soon. I'm hoping we're getting there here. And uh, you know, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping they're warming him up you know, and uh, getting ready. And they're going to sound that trumpet. You and I going to get out of here. But Enoch, his type, he is, Enoch walked with God and was not. For God took him. That's the greatest picture of the Christian. In the Old Testament, his walk was supposed to just be walking with God day in and day out. And one day, God just takes you home. Whether whether by way of death or by way of a trumpet, you and I get to go home absent from the body, present with the Lord. And that's the way the Christian life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a walk with Him. It's supposed to be a fellowship with Him. It's supposed to be a close communion with Him. And you know what He's done? He's called. He's called. He told you to call him, didn't he? Call on to me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's looking for you to call him, but he's still calling you. He wants you to talk with him. He wants you to pick up the phone and actually hear him. He wants the relationship to be good and he's calling and oftentimes you and I are the ones who are too busy for him. We're oftentimes the one who, we put him off. And we go, well, you know, I just, I've got too many things. I just can't because I need to get this done. And we don't take time to read and we don't take time to pray and we don't take time to study. We skip over witnessing to somebody. We don't walk with him. We don't even look to him. We just do what comes naturally. And I was talking about it last week. The truth is that oftentimes we are so normal in our fleshly walk and we're so confident in our fleshly walk that we're walking in the flesh and we're not fulfilling the lust of the spirit. (laughs) The spirit is the thing we're not doing. We're not walking in the Spirit. Instead, we're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. We're not doing what the Spirit would want us to do. Instead, we're doing what the flesh wants us to do, and we don't even realize it. Because we go, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong, except you're not listening to what God told you to do. So then you are doing wrong. The odd, the odd truth of being righteous is that you'd have to do right all the time. Now that's different than, I don't do anything wrong. I'm going to say that again. That is not, well, I don't do anything wrong. You can, dead people don't do anything wrong. Right? But they're also not doing anything right. (laughs) The Christian is not allowed to be neutral like that. They aren't allowed to just sit there and go, well, I don't do anything. Because ultimately, inaction from the Christian means you aren't actively doing right, so you're not living right. You have to push to live right. You have to push to have fellowship with God. It's a work to go ahead and try and be with God and have walk with Him. You know why? Because can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, then you need to figure out what you need to agree with Him on. Because, uh, by the way, He's not going to change. In case you're curious of... If anybody's going to change, he's he's the one who's not changing and you're the one who's going to have to change to match up with him if you want to walk with him. So many times we live in a world today where everybody wants you to compromise. Well, come with me halfway, meet me halfway. Could you imagine if God had to meet everybody halfway? There's some things you and I really need to not compromise at all on. He's on wavering and He's on compromising and He's on moving. And you know what we do? We compromise to have friendship with the world and we become enmity with God. We move ourselves over just a little bit to go, well, if I move a little bit, I'll make everybody quiet down. Yeah, you've even quieted God down because you've quenched the Spirit. And He's not going to talk now. He says, okay, you want that instead of you want... What's the problem? The problem is Adam chose Eve. The problem is Lot chose a city in the plains and decided he wanted to go there. The problem was, there it is. It's over and over again. What is it? It's choosing something else instead of choosing the one you ought to have fellowship with. And God calls you up for fellowship and he says, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. And you go, I don't have time. I have my things. And he's calling for fellowship because you're his son. He's calling for fellowship because he's put you over in the light. He's calling for fellowship because he's made you righteous and you're one of his saints. He's calling for fellowship and we ignore him. And he stands at the door and he's knocking and you and I are just like, well, I don't, you know, I'll get it later. And the phone rings and we ignore it. <laughs> the phone rings, we look at caller ID and we go, well, I don't want to answer that, so I'm just going to leave that alone. I'll get back to God when it's convenient for me. We've, we've decided fellowshipping with God is a convenience. And it only happens when it's convenient to me. So we skip over. Well, I'll read a little bit real quick. Well, Lord, help me today. That, that'll be my prayer life. My prayer life will be at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That'll be my prayer life. And that'll be great. And then we act as if God... You should take that because, well, that's what I want. And anything that I do for you, obviously, that should be enough for you. Like we just did him a favor. And then you wonder why you have a bad relationship with your children. If they treated you the way you treated God... You would want to knock them into next Tuesday. That's what you'd want to do. Uriah is now my wonderful example all the time. He's two. He's acting like he's two. Lousy, stinking two. And I say his name, and he looks at me. And then he ignores me. Right? All of you that have had children or are children or have been a child, you know. They suddenly become selective on the words that they want to understand at that particular moment. It is amazing to me how no has suddenly completely upended unless he says it. He knows exactly what it means when he says it. But when I say it, say, what is that? That's the way you treat God. You treat him like you're a two-year-old. I do that sometimes. He says no, and I go, yeah, but I really don't want to listen today. So I'm going to ignore that. (laughs) Hey, it's time for no. I'm going to go do what I want. And then you wonder why you get chastened. Well, because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. You Say, why? Because he wants fellowship. And it's not that he's a dictator and he wants to make you do things his way. He just knows what's best for you. Just like I know better for Uriah than Uriah does. Just like I'm supposed to be able to tell him what he needs to do so that it will better him. Just like you try to do with your children, we try to make them better. Better than they are and better than we are. (laughs) We try to increase them. You know, know, the difference is, God is never, you're never going to get better than him. And not once does he ever give you the wrong idea or the wrong command. He's always spot on. And you know what he wants? He wants good fellowship. He wants a good walk. He wants you to walk in the light as he is in the light. Oh, there that is again. So we can have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know the spot. First John, Chad, he wants that fellowship. That's why he pulled you out of darkness and he put you into the light. Because if you weren't in the light, he couldn't have fellowship. So he pulled you, he called you over. He said, hey, come over to the light. And you came over to the light and he goes, okay, good. Now we can have fellowship. When you were over there in darkness, I couldn't really do anything for you. So I called you over here so we could do something. I called you over here so that I could go ahead and make it so that you were my son because you're now righteous and I cleaned you up and everything's great and now we have a relationship so now that I now we can have a good a good rapport we can talk and you can hear me and I can hear from you and we we can work together to have the most wonderful relationship that mankind would ever have He's calling for that. God's longing for that. How about you? We'll go over Galatians chapter 5. Say, how long are you going to talk about that? I'm done. I'm done. We'll move on to the next thing. I don't know that you'll like it any better, but we'll move on to the next thing. You think about your relationship and your friendship and your walk with God. And what is amazing to me about it is that he is the one who could take control of that. He could make you, right? But he doesn't. He could make you have fellowship. He could make you listen. He could really drive it home if he wanted to. But he's too loving to do it. He gets to Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13, he says, For brethren, ye have been called on to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say, then walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the thing, the things that you would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Uh, he's called you to a wonderful release. Liberty. You've been released. You've been set free. See, lost people think that all Christians are under bondage. They look at you and they go, yeah, you can't have the fun that we can have. And then the Christian looks back at them and goes, "Uh, I'm not the one who's bound to all of my sins and about to spend eternity in a lake of fire. He's set us at liberty. He's brought us some freedom that you and I did not have before he showed up. Oftentimes I find that uh they think you're in you're in bondage, and their answer is, well, you know, we can do whatever we want to. Number one, they can't. Go ahead and go ahead and find out if they can actually quit all the things. They can stop for a little while. But it seems to me that they never do actually get it to quit. And anyways, you know what else they don't have? They think They think when I say liberty, that means anarchy. They go, well, see, I can do whatever I want to. No, that's anarchy. Anarchy is I can do whatever I want to with no consequences. What they don't realize is they have consequences for everything. They just don't recognize the consequences. They don't understand that they're under the wrath of God now. They don't understand they're under the just condemnation of a holy God who's about to sentence them to a lake of fire for all of eternity. They don't understand those things. You and I understand those things because we came from darkness over to light. And God says, okay, now I'm going to set you free. I'm going to give you liberty. And the Christian that thinks liberty is, that means I can do whatever I want, is walking in the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Liberty is not liberty, if it's anarchy. That's not liberty. No rules, that's not liberty. You and I live in the United States of America, and although our liberties are becoming more and more infringed upon, I'll go with the simplest of answers. Pull out of the parking lot here today. You hang a right. Because if you hang a left, you go down the hill and then the speed limit changes again. Uh, so you hang a right, you pull out, you head toward Hannibal, right? Speed limit is 55. You are free to drive up to 55. After that, you are not. The guy with the lights and sirens can let you know that you were going too fast, pull you over, and give you a ticket for that, right? Say, why do they do that? Why is it only 40 miles an hour at the bottom of this hill instead of 55 like it is? Well, the idea is intersections and population and different factors that they factor in. Say, what are they limiting? What are they limiting my liberty? So I have liberty, I'm an American. I should be able to drive this thing like the Audubon. 120, no big deal. What are they doing? They're putting things in place so that you don't infringe on somebody else's liberties. Liberty only works if it's liberty for everybody's benefit. So you find there's rules to liberty, and Pastor has a great message on that. Pastor Legault does on the rules to govern your liberty. And I won't cover all of them, but you see one right here in the passage. Verse number 13. For brethren, you have been called on to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. It's not an occasion to the flesh. You don't have liberty so you can go ahead and fulfill the lust that your flesh has and to go after everything that you just want. The Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace might more abound? God forbid. (laughs) Well, no, you shouldn't just go after whatever you want to just because you have salvation in Jesus Christ and you've been forgiven and God's declared you righteous forever so you can just go ahead and live the way you want to. Well, God forbid you do that. That's not good. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I'm not supposed to want those things. I'm supposed to go ahead and walk in the spirit and crucify the flesh and put it down and get it out of the way. And so our liberty is designed not to make us bondage back again in our sins and in all those things. Instead, he's setting us at liberty. He's giving us freedom. He's calling us to that freedom to not be back in bondage under what our flesh always wanted and went after. That's the goal of our liberty. We're not supposed to fulfill the lust of the flesh with our liberty. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter two, we won't turn to all these places. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter two in verse number 16, he says, only use not your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. Maliciousness. Oof. Maliciousness. That's just being mean to be mean, isn't it? Malice. Just just being mean and rude and hateful. Think of malice. Those are terrible people. You ever known a Christian to be terrible? No. <laughs> I've met some. You look at them and you think, it's a good thing the Lord saved you. Nobody else likes you. Right? The old adage, God loves you. Everybody else thinks you're a jerk, right? Amen. You met some people like that, haven't you? It's a good thing Jesus died for you. Now at least somebody loves you because everybody else, they don't like you very much. Miserable people. Malicious people. The Lord saved them and they can't figure out the joy of the Lord and they can't figure out how to get out of their own way, right? And They're just malicious. Well, I've got liberty. I can do what I want. You can't be mean to everybody just because you want to. The idea is you're not supposed to beat up everybody else and take their stuff just because you're a Christian and you've got liberty to do so. I can do what I want. That's not liberty. That's anarchy. God didn't put you together. like He called you to liberty. He didn't call you to anarchy. He tells you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, he says that you shouldn't have a stumbling block for your brother. You shouldn't go ahead and do something. Just because you have liberty doesn't mean that you go ahead and do some things that somebody else is going to fall over. So I'm going I'm to make this statement right now. Uh, you all know my stand on music. I'm pretty hard on my music. I, I don't like things that get outside of the boundaries of some things. But the truth is, right here, on this platform especially, and in the church, I think this place right here, ought to have the highest standard of music. I enjoy what Brother Andrew does with our music. He's very methodical. He's very purposeful in that. He doesn't want to bring that level down at all. Say, why? Why? Because the lower I let something sink here, I don't remember... Who the quote was from? I've heard Pastor legault say it repeatedly. I heard, I believe, I heard Pastor Christian quoted as well, long, long, long ago. The pew never rises higher than the pulpit. What happens up here, and the example that is set here, everybody never goes for that. (laughs) They go, I can do a little bit less than that, right? Their standard is never as high as the standard that's put up here. Oftentimes the answer is, well, that's the preacher and I'm not that, so I don't have to. And that's fine. I'm not worried about that. That doesn't bother me. But the idea is, if I let this slide a little bit, it could be a stumbling block for my brethren. Well, they let it slide a little bit up in the front of the church, so I guess it is okay to go ahead and and they start letting other things slide. They let you let some things into your personal life and your friends find out about it and a brother in Christ finds out. You know, uh, if I knew, uh, if may, maybe I did have some things that maybe I'd listened to outside of church that weren't quite as strict as we're up here and uh, Brother Viscom, we all know his fondness for contemporary Christian music and things, Right? He wants to crush it all and grind it to powder, right? And let's say I thought maybe something might be a little bit close to something that would offend him and bother him, and he hopped in the truck with me and we were going down the road. You know what I wouldn't do? I'd make sure that song wasn't there. Even if it's okay and the Lord said it was perfectly fine for me to listen to it, you know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't listen to it because I don't want to upset Brother Mike and give him a bad spirit for the day, Right? If you go, well, you know, I just, uh, you know, people got some weird standards, right? They got their own personal things. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm wearing a tie this evening, right? I got my suit on. Most of you probably, if I walked in, I didn't have my tie on. I didn't have my suit coat on. I came up to preach. Most people in the room... Be a compromiser, right? I didn't. It's not a community church. I don't wear my flip flops and my uh, Hawaiian shirt or anything. All right, wear my khaki shorts up here or nothing. Um, you know, community church. Come on, and uh, wear my polo. Um, what you did to me right there. Um, and you see, I come in. You know what you'd think? You wouldn't think necessarily. Oh man, he's terrible. But you would think, that's not quite right. Now all of you aren't wearing ties tonight, gentlemen. And you know what I don't think? I don't think there's anything wrong with you. But if it was your night to preach, it'd be a problem, wouldn't it? See, sometimes the thing up here is special, and it ought to be. But if we let anything sink here, you know what happens out there. So it becomes the sum. we have liberty. Do I need a tie on to preach? Well, no. Of course not. You can preach without I did it yesterday. I preached without a tie on. Heresy, I know. Right? We're at the music conference. We were a little bit more relaxed, and so I preached without a tie on and I had a nice, you know, button up shirt, looked all right. It was much more relaxed. Service. But if I do that today, you know what that is? That'd be a stumbling block. It'd be a reason for someone to not think highly of the message and of the Lord and the thing that's happening. It brings a disregard for who God is. That's a stumbling block. And so, you say, do you like wearing a suit? Not really. Not really. Especially because I have two small children and dry cleaning is expensive. What are you doing? You have to watch what you do because you want to make sure the people watching you aren't going to fall because of what you do. You say, well, that's not liberty. I can do what I want. Okay. That's anarchy. Liberty takes into account that you serve. Look at that. But by love, look at the end of verse 13 again. But by love, serve one another. There's a level of love within liberty. It looks out for the other's interests and protection. It helps somebody else and puts yourself in a different position. Even under liberty, you know what you have? You have service. It's just that you're not in bondage to an old taskmaster who was taking everything from you. Now you have liberty to go ahead and do the right things and live clean and live right And have a wonderful, wonderful blessing. He tells them, uh, actually turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse number 27 here in 1 Corinthians 10. Paul says, if any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? Isn't that the big question? Why do I have to worry about what everybody else thinks? For if I, by grace, be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Isn't it true that if you pray over it, it's sanctified by God? Well, yeah. Doesn't matter if it's offered to an idol. Who cares? That's Paul's statement. That the idea is doesn't matter. I sanctified it. I prayed over it. God blessed it. He's better than that idol is anyways. I can go ahead and take it. No big deal. Not going to hurt me. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. I've got liberty. Okay, can you do it to the glory of God? Is God going to actually get glory out of the thing you are doing in your liberty? This is the true litmus test right here. For the Christian, this is the true litmus test of our actions. The true test is, is this something that will bring God glory or will it take away from his glory? Is it something where everybody's going to look and say, This is great, God is their Savior, and He has been great to them, and this is one, and they're going to praise God because, or is it going to be, Boy, their God's pretty lousy because of that? Then they're going to detract from the glory of God. Say, Well, I can eat whatever I want to. Yeah, but you know what they looked at? They went, Boy, He ate that meat offered to that idol. I don't think Christians supposed to do that. I mean, isn't that kind of part of their idol worship over there? Doesn't that mean he's worshiping some other idols and doing... There it is. Why should I have to be brought under... Why do I have to think about the consequences of my actions in the lives of others? Because no man liveth to himself and it's certain no man dieth to himself. Because it is inescapable how you react and how you act and how you behave yourself and the manner of life in which you choose to live will always dictate how everybody sees the God that you are supposed to be proclaiming. And so your liberty is fenced in by ultimately your relationship with the one who saved you. It's willing to recognize I can go ahead and subject myself to be a servant if it's going to make my Savior look good. I can go ahead and I cannot do this to make sure that God looks better. I can go ahead and keep myself because God has called me to liberty, but I am not going to use that liberty to make his name look bad. And now I said that, and you and I both know you have somebody in your head right now that is as saved as you are, and they're on their way to heaven, and you have it in your head, and you went, that's them right there. They didn't do that well. I hope nobody has your name. I know some folks. I've knocked on some doors around this wonderful town. Knocked on some doors, talked to people. You know, they said, oh, doesn't so-and-so go to your church? And you think, yes, they do. Oh, good personal connection. And they go, if they're a Christian, I don't want that. And you go, ah, uh, right. If you've never been there, praise the Lord. I've been there as the worst feeling in the world because you. What do you say? How do you recover that? Because in their mind, the God that saved that man or that woman allows that type of behavior. And it obviously is not good for the name of Christ. Well, they have liberty. Yep, they do. But God called you to that liberty so that you could live holy. couple more places and we'll be done first Thessalonians chapter four I'm just going to read these I believe I'm not going to comment much pretty self-explanatory first Thessalonians chapter four this goes along with your liberty by the way this goes along with the fact that you've been released from that bondage and you're free and you're doing well and you're supposed to be doing right and first Thessalonians four verse 20 says furthermore then brethren we beseech you or furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified for God hath not called us unto uncleanness but unto holiness. Well, there it is. He went through that whole, you know what he said? He said, God didn't call you to uncleanness. He didn't he didn't call you to liberties so that you can live whatever way you want to in uncleanness. He called you to liberty so that you can live holiness. That's what he called you to. Look over at uh 1st Peter or 2nd Peter, I'm sorry. 2nd Peter chapter 1. 2nd Peter chapter 1. whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He says, hey, He called you to glory and virtue. Yeah, but I have liberty. Yeah, but that liberty is bound in glory and virtue and holiness. Look over at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter eight, last place tonight. You know, God goes ahead and he called you. He called you out of darkness. And He puts you in the light. He redeemed you. He paid the debt of your sins. And He made it so you could have salvation forever. He gave you His righteousness. So He made you a saint of God. And He goes ahead and He adopts you and puts you as a relative of His. And He makes the relationship that we're His sons and daughters, saith the Lord. And He goes ahead and He brings us into that relationship so that He can go ahead and have a good rapport with us and fellowship with us. And so that He could set us free And give us that liberty so that we're not entangled, so that we're released from that bondage that we were under, so that you and I can live up to the name that he gave us. See, this is all about his glory. I mentioned it this morning. This is all about Him and who He is and how amazing He is and how wonderful He is and how great He is and how amazing He has been to you. And He has taken you from darkness and put you in the light. He has taken you from being a wretched sinner and given you His righteousness. He has gone ahead and made you from a child of the devil to a child of God. He has gone ahead and made sure that He could have fellowship with you when there was no chance of fellowship before so that He could go ahead and give you the freedom that you needed to operate because ultimately Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose because it is all about His purpose. You have been called to His purpose and His purpose is to glorify His name. His purpose is to go ahead and let a world know he can take the worst of the worst if he wants to and make them better than the best the world could ever have. He goes ahead and he takes them straight up out of a miry pit and puts their feet upon a rock and establishes their going and turns their life into greatness when a world would have cast them aside as nothing. That is who he is. That is what he does. And he is calling men and he is calling women and he is calling over and over and over again. He goes, I have made you a saint. I have made you my son. Would you walk like you're my son?" Would you stay in fellowship with me? Would you go ahead and walk with me? And we can do some amazing things if we could get people to recognize who they are because of how great He is and what He has done for them so that they walk that way day in and day out and they live like they're an actual Son of God. And the world would marvel when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Walking in the power of God. You know what his statement to his disciples was? Greater than these you'll do. And what did he give you? He gave you the job to be his ambassador. To go, and re- go ahead and reconcile a lost world to himself. What brings God more glory than bringing home some new sons? What gives him more glory than you and I walking through this life as if the holiness of God were actually part of what we were supposed to be? And trying to live up to that name. You ever feel completely inadequate to live up to the way people think you are? How about the way God thinks you are? Well, that's why the apostle Paul says, My grace gets my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will gladly glory in my infirmities. Why? that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You say, I'm not worthy to have any of that. Nobody is. How do you walk worthy of being called the son of God? How do you walk worthy of being called children of the living God without having the living God inside of you and yielding to his spirit and having liberty in what he asked you to do? and have in fellowship with Him because that's what He called you to do. God is calling, and you know what He's calling for? He's calling for people to stand and to give and to be in fellowship with Him and just, just do it the way He would. Live right. Live up to the name Saint. Live up to the name Son. Live up to the one who has called. Quit ignoring His phone calls. Let's go ahead and stand. Paul ended that chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. We don't have much in ourselves to glory about. But there's a whole lot to glory about in the Lord. What will it be tonight? I don't know if someone here is lost. I don't know if anybody here is ever unsure of where they'll spend their eternity. But God is calling you tonight. He wants to save you. He wants to take you from darkness and put you into the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and save you. The devil wants no more than to keep you blinded and left in darkness and not realize that you're a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus Christ gave his life a ransom for many and paid the debt of all of your sins. And he's got a free gift because he rose from the dead. He has eternal life to offer you tonight. If you'd be willing, we'd love to show you out of the Bible how you can know you can have your sins forgiven forever and know you're forgiven and heaven is your home. Christian, maybe tonight you need to realize I've got a great name because I have a great Savior. And we struggle to live up to that name. But I hope you're fighting to live up to it. I understand a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But that's no excuse. God's command was be ye holy for I am holy. Would you be willing to try and stay in fellowship and fight for it? resolve that you will go ahead and stand and try and do all to stand in an evil day that doesn't want you to be able to make it God wants you to make it God wants you to succeed God is calling Would you heat is called tonight Father I do pray you would bless the invitation now if someone here doesn't know Christ I pray they'd come Father I pray your will would be done even now in Jesus name Amen.